Hello, my friends. I'm here today with Bima, and he's speaking to us from the community in Seattle, Washington. And not actually literally Seattle, it's Linwood. They're very specific about this. <laughs> but those of us who don't live there, just call it Seattle. Uh, Bima has been the manager of East West Bookshop. And even though he appears still to be sitting in East West Bookshop, <laughs> this is, it's not a fake background. <laughs> but yeah. it's a it's a an illusion that's been created and I will ask you Bima to explain where you are and what you're doing there. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, well we um we closed down East West um during the during the shelter in place mm -hmm. and this was back in March and we had to we had to uh because of that but also our lease was ending in that location anyway. Mhm. Mm so we were looking for about a year for a new location. And when this happened, we didn't have to look anymore. We just had to, <laughs> had to move out. So uh, we, we all kind of had the same idea that, well, Hansa is open. Uh, and it wasn't being used for the meditations. Hansa is the little temple they have on their community grounds. Uh -huh. Yep. So we, so we put a 5,000 square foot store into a 900 square foot room. Uh-huh. Very good, but you have no customers or staff. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, it's two foot aisles, and it's just me and volunteers. So I see. Very good. So you're running it online, basically, in so far. Yeah, we're working on it. We just did an event, an online event with uh, a nationally known energy intuitive uh -huh. yesterday, and we had ninety people uh, on, on Zoom. So that was great. Very good. All of us are finding that we have much bigger audiences than we had when we were actually running real temples in a real place. Sure. It's, a, it's a weird moment. Very weird. But anyway, God's in charge. Yeah. Well, Bima, I'd like to get to know you a little better because I don't, I mean, I've met just, I often explain to people whether I know the people I'm talking to or not. Bima and I have met a few times, mm -hmm. but we he didn't grow up in the community that I'm part of, so I'm going to be learning more about him same as you all. Sometimes I know a person's life story as well as he does, but not this time. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about how you grew up, um, what your interests were, you know, what kind of a child you were um, mm -hmm. before you met Master, if there was a time before you met Master. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, my mom, I could start with her since uh -huh. she was the one who brought That's me what, here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, She's an Episcopal priest. Uh, oh, really? She just retired, but that influenced a lot of my upbringing. My brother and I, uh, William, who lives up at Camino Island Farm mm -hmm. uh, with Zach and Haley, uh, we grew up every every Sunday morning in the pew, mm -hmm. and that was a that was a big influence for us. Not so much. Well, I'll speak for myself. Not so much spiritually, but mm -hmm. just socially mm -hmm. to be to be in front of people and, you know, to be at the coffee hour and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that provided, you know, a, a foundation for thinking about God and, uh, and having that be it, uh, you know, it was a weekly thing. My mom would be writing a sermon. Um, mm -hmm. We'd be in the church hearing the gospel every Sunday for 18 years, you know, mm -hmm. so we were saturated in that way. Did you ever, did you ever have any, sense of Christ separate from the coffee hour? I mean, separate from church? <laughs> you know, uh, not not really. I mean, you look around and it's really a social club. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we we grew up in Tucson, Arizona. That was our first kind of that was my first conscious place that we lived in. Although I was born in Utah, uh-huh. and um, we were part of a very progressive church that was. They had something. My mom uh, teamed up with my godfather Gordon. They were both priests at the same church, and they um, started something called the Mass for the Third Millennium. Mm-hmm. And it involved meditation and uh, circle dancing and chanting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were readings, you know, ecumenical readings from different faiths. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that got into me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the more spiritual feeling that I got from it. But it, that wasn't what brought me into spirituality so much. Was that spiritual feeling the feeling of fellowship or was it something that transcended the human experience? It, it was just having an awareness. Uh, I would look around and and you would see these adults who uh, were just so inspired mm-hmm. by the services, even though I wasn't. I was six or seven. You know, I was just, you know, in, into Pokemon and cartoons and stuff, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it, that that gets into your subconscious, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and so that provided a whole context for me to revisit later on in life. Well, it gives you the idea that adult people can have a spiritual life. Yeah. Which sure. a, a lot of children never see adult people having a spiritual life. So you don't think when I grow up, I'll have a spiritual life. I can see how that would really make a difference. No, that's Indeed. Very good. So what happens after you're six? <laughs> well, like everybody, I, I've watched some of our friends here from Seattle. Uh-huh. I was a big uh, nature boy. Uh-huh. and. Uh, so in my earliest years, that was where I spent most of my time in, in Tucson. Instead of having woods or, you know, fields around, you have the desert. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to run through the desert and, uh, and just the wildlife there, catching lizards and snakes. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a feeling of um, that I belonged there and, uh, and that I was of it. And, and, and not just a, you know, that was kind of my true, true self was a, um, a part of that landscape. Mm. So, um, and, and I spent a lot of time alone, you know, we went to a private school and my brother was really into reading science fiction and other things. So I was always out there, William, come on outside, let's go play. And he said, no, one more, one more page, you know, mm-hmm. and he just, ne- he'd never show up. And, um, uh, so I spent a lot of time with myself and, and there was a sense as I look back of a presence in those experiences. Hmm, very interesting. You know, I grew up in El, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Oh wow. And uh, I, I wasn't a nature child like that, but I, I used to ride horseback some and I would ride across that desert. So I have a strong feeling of what you mean. Mm-hmm. That desert landscape is unique and there's yeah. there's something extraordinary about it. how marvelous for you. So did you finish high school in that desert area? No. Um, when I was 10 or 9, we moved up to Spokane, Washington, oh, which is yeah, that's a big, big change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about six hours from here. So mm-hmm. on the other side, exact opposite side of the state. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where I really grew up. I was only in Tucson for about six and a half years. That was my early childhood. Mm-hmm. And how was Spokane for you? Did, were you able to be as comfortable there as you had been it was an adjustment because we were in private schools uh, a private one private school in tucson and so it was very sheltered um 
and then being thrust into public school in a different state, uh, it was, I was pretty shocked at the, at the children's level of consciousness. Um, I mean, there were things that just, that didn't occur to me other than watching them in a movie, you know, bullying and, um, and, and just, you know, vulgarity and things like that. This was fifth grade. Um, but it was just, I just never been exposed to, <laughs> to those elements, you know? So I had to kind of, uh, uh not necessarily grow up, but just blend in, in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you, did you <clears throat> become like them or did you just go underground? How did you cope? I definitely became like them. Ooh, it was, awesome. uh, it, it, it was sink or swim. I mean, uh -huh. Spokane is an all American city, you know, it has that picket fence <laughs> and, uh -huh. and mow the lawn every Sunday and kind of feel to it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's your gen general, um, primary school experience and so I had to adapt to the whole sports culture and and all of those things William was like in seventh grade so he was pretty firmly established in his own weirdness you know mm -hmm. in his differentness mm -hmm. and but I was still in that malleable you know um follow follow what your friends are doing stage so I was in that to a certain degree for you know the first three or four years of being in Spokane so you you refer to it that way did you what happened after 3 or 4 years where did what what changed Well um you know when I got into high school my dad's an old hippie Uh-huh and uh so that was a, that was the other that was the other influence my mom was a priest and my dad is an old hippie uh -huh. and so I I was always fascinated by pulling out his his LPs and uh -huh. you know I remember one morning waking up to Jimi Hendrix just being blasted uh -huh. and my dad's like, Hey boys, it's time for pancakes, you know? <laughs> and so there was just that, that was that, there was this dormant element of, um, uh, that got awakened really in high school, a love for sixties music and the uh -huh. counterculture and eventually getting into psychedelics and the whole grateful dead vibration. Um, and that's when I started to really, uh, move towards God and towards spirituality. You just like, you just, the, the sins of the father were repeated in the son. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, yeah. I mean, it was, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went to Stanford for one year in 1965 and the Grateful Dead are from Palo Alto and they were yeah. just, they were just starting. I mean, they weren't, nobody who knew who they were. And I immediately lost interest in college because I'd come for wisdom and all they had was knowledge. Yeah. So every Friday, I mean, I, I believe I did this for months. Somewhere the Grateful Dead was playing in the area and the word would go out. And it would just be like somebody's house. And I mean, people would look at me and say, what? You did that? I mean, to me, it was just like, you know, that's just what I did. I was 18 and we'd yeah. just go and I'd go to their party. And, so it's marvelous to hear that that's what you did too. <laughs> I, I was really into it. Yeah. Wait, do where you were reincarnated, Yippie? Do you think that you overdosed? <laughs> do you think you overdosed young in that life? You had to start over. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't. I think it may may have been that I missed out. Uh, uh huh. Uh -huh. Oh, I see. I, like you were straight or something, or you were the father. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that has popped into my head, um, you know, after coming to Ananda, is that perhaps I was a renunciate, and I was looking out of my, uh, 
you know, of my cloistered window <laughs> at all of the beans and stuff. I see. Yeah. So were you alone in that or was there a movement? Was there a retro? Oh, yeah. I, I don't, in Spokane, there was a, a group. I mean, I don't know how many of them, um, but there was definitely probably all over the country. There are Grateful Dead pockets and right. yeah. hippie pockets and, you know, the children of the 60s pass it on to their mm -hmm. children and their children's children. And wherever there is, there's hippies still, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got in, I got into that, um, you know, the whole LSD psychedelic mushroom thing. Mm -hmm. And then I got out of it in just, you know, a couple of years when I started getting into meditation. But that was my gateway into Ananda, actually. <laughs> oh, put, put that, you know, Swami himself was not in favor of drugs at all yeah. but he had to admit that it was the gateway for a lot of people yeah i mean he had to see that it often opened a door that wouldn't have been opened otherwise so yeah. it opened the door for you so what happened after that well i you know i had what i kind of call my psychedelic summer it was uh 2011 and mm -hmm. um i was going into senior year in high school mm -hmm. and i just started to have this series of uh of adventures you know um, inner adventures that they kept leading inexorably to to meditation yeah. uh, that summer my dad had had several pivotal conversations with me and uh you know they were very troubled by my you know rebellious ways um but my dad i remember he said um i was mark at the time he said mark what are you trying why are you doing this and he's from texas too mm -hmm. and uh and I said, it just came out of me. I said, well, I guess I'm trying to have a spiritual experience. Mm. And he said, well, you should try this. And he handed me, be here now. Huh. Um, and he handed me the autobiography of a yogi. Wowie zowie. And I put down, uh, I, I immediately gravitated to be here now because I was into the whole uh, Harvard early 60s experiments. And I heard about Richard Alpert and Timothy Leary. And, um, and I just found that the book was, was the experiences in there were some of the experiences that I'd had on mushrooms um, and and that I wanted to follow that trajectory of of moving away from you know the um the show you know where you you put a coin in the machine, you see the oneness, and then the curtains close and I wanted to have that experience for my own, like uh Ram Dass's guru named Karoli Baba this this amazing mystical person and blanket you know and mm -hmm. and then i started reading the ay and i was just just the pictures really just drew me in uh, of these saints and and you, you just i never met anybody like that before and i believed every word of it it, it just because of these experiences that i'd had with the psychedelics i just knew that intuitively that this was real right wow fantastic so now you're what 16 17 yeah, I would have been uh, just about turning. Yeah, I would have just have turned seventeen. So, yeah. what did you do with all this? Did it did it get you out of the mushrooms? It did. Uh, you know, I I was a you know a regular partier and uh, had all sorts of bad habits, and um, but I I I did, was determined that I would try to meditate because I wanted to. That's the only thing I could see I, I could do with my life was you know, to be, to follow the steps of the Buddha or, or the great sages, um, it just seemed what was real. And so my dad and I actually joined a meditation group mm -hmm. at a local Buddhist temple. That's all we had. It, it was a little mindfulness group. Mm 
And I went there every Wednesday for, we meditate for about an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started meditating every day and I had a meditation buddy in high school, uh, which is hard to believe, but he lives here at the community now. His name's Stanley. Uh-huh. And, uh, he was a, uh, a grade lower than me, but he, he said, you know, I hear that you go off and meditate on your lunch break. Can I join you? Huh. And, uh, and he was with me every single day, pretty much from, from then on, on lunch. So you actually are a high school senior. Yeah. What year would this have been? What year this would be 2011 going into 2012. So 2011, you're a high school senior in Spokane, Washington. With all due respect, I've been to Spokane. <laughs> you're in Spokane, Washington. And during your lunch break of high school, you're going off to meditate. Yeah. And now somebody goes with you. Yeah. Congratulations, my man. That was pretty original determination. <laughs> Good for you. So now you and Stan are out there meditating every lunch break. And what happens yeah. next? Well, you know, uh, you start to see there's a real agenda in senior year in a high school. All the professors are saying, they even put up a map uh, with pins where everybody was going to college. (laughs) And there was only two people in in my, you know, I was in all these honors classes and Uh there was only two people in the AP program that weren't going to college. Uh And it was me and this guy named Steve who was going to Fiji to do snorkeling. (laughs) <laughs> and uh we were the only ones and uh and they they asked you know what are you going to do and um and I said I don't know but I can't move forward with this it just I, I looked at my teachers my best teachers and they all looked fidgety and and distracted and and then I look at the AY and I see you know Badri Masha <laughs> just levitating and I like that's what I want you know I don't want to I don't want to follow and you know, the 98, 99% of people. And anyway, um, yeah, I, I, uh, my dad, again, he, Mm -hmm. he was just, he had, he must've been being guided uh, by master because he sent me this link and uh, it was for Ananda.org for the living with spirit program Mm -hmm. uh, that was happening that summer in July. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think you'd like this. And it was organic gardening, Mm -hmm. uh, yoga, camping, Mm-hmm. music meditation and i and i thought well yeah that sounds really great so my uh late grandmother fronted the money mm-hmm. and i think she she's from east texas i mean she's a you know old she was an old timer mm-hmm. and and she thought it was some church camp i think you know um <laughs> we didn't really tell her maybe skip the details okay so <laughs> yeah but uh At any rate, I went and I said, you know, I'm going to go check out what a community that's based off of this type of lifestyle is like. And Uh I can uh, and see if I want to make a big commitment towards student loan debt and things like that later. So I signed up for it and told all my friends about it. And they they were pretty nonplussed, you know, Uh at the idea of somebody doing that. But I did it anyway. And so glad I did. Uh So did you never look back? I mean, I never looked back, (laughs) never looked back. So you did the summer intern program and then came back. Well, I was, I was really lucky because, um, that's where I met Zach and Haley. That's where I met my wife, Bhakti and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and PN who was living there. She became my sister-in-law. Oh my goodness. Uh, All in that program. Uh, on the fifth day of being there, I met Swami Kriyananda, Uh which was, is the greatest blessing of my life. And, um, 
spend a moment on that. What, what, how did it feel when you first met him? What did it, what was it like for you? Well, you know, I remember everybody in the room anticipating that he was going to come in to the, to the dome there at the Crystal Hermitage. And mm -hmm. when he came in, it was like, have you ever seen those time-lapse uh, pictures of flowers moving with the sun? Yeah. It was like the sunflowers all following him across the room. <laughs> and everybody just opened up and, and blossomed. And yeah. I was speechless because here was somebody like an AY that I, that I was meeting, somebody that brought everybody's consciousness up. Um, and you could feel it. He was holding it, it or it was being held. It wasn't necessarily him, but it was just the new, the new environment was this consciousness that was in the room. And, uh, it was definitely life-changing. That was, that was a very accurate description. That was really well put. I yeah. mean, I've been in that, I've been in that dome countless times when Swami walked into it. That is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So from that point, Ananda was what more your home, or how did it? Well, it, I'd only been there five days. Oh, and I said five days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I just I came, I walked right in off a Greyhound bus. It was twenty hour Greyhound bus from Spokane, and uh, I got picked up, and it was Sunday service. And before I knew it, it was, uh, um, um, you know, the purification ceremony, <laughs> and uh, that was my first, you know, my first experience with an Ananda person was the master says, "Open your heart to me, and I will enter." I said, okay, here we go. I didn't know anything about Swami Kriyananda, but uh, you know, when I met him, um, I had the pleasure of asking him a spiritual question. I don't, I don't talk about it that much, but I think I, I need to, and I think I'm going to write it down. But um, basically, I asked him one of these bogus questions just so that I could have a moment you yeah. know, to talk with him. And what he said was, um, he said, don't worry about spiritual progress. Someday you'll just say, gee, I'm not the same person I was anymore. And then he looked at me and he said, but I do hope you stay here. You're an old friend of mine. Oh my gosh. And I almost didn't even hear what he said, but Badri uh, tapped me on the knee and said, you know, he doesn't say that very often. So he really means that. And that there was a Smriti that happened, you know, a divine memory of a feeling of knowing that what he said was true. And that of course was a miracle. How could somebody I'd never met know me? And how could I feel that that was, that that was a true experience? So that, that was one of those things that you don't turn back from, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the rest, you know, I was just meditating because I just felt that blessing mm -hmm. of, of being shown uh, something that is there that we're not aware of a higher reality, you know? and Oh, sorry. No, no. It, at the end of Swamiji's life, he knew he didn't have any time. And so he was much more, I mean, like, anyway, he was much more willing to just look at you and say that because he knew that he didn't have five years to win you. To <laughs> yeah. You know, anything like that. So what a, what a great lesson for you exactly as you felt it. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, it was almost as if he didn't want to... Um, it felt like it was Divine Mother coming through him because he just moved on to the next question. It was completely impersonal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel that it, there was almost, that was my moment uh, for him to make sure that I knew this is where I was supposed to be because, you know, he said, okay, I'm not as young as I used to be. Let me get up and I'm going to go rest now or something like that. And, uh -huh. uh, and Maria was helping him out of the, 
out of the dome. And then he stopped, you know, in front of me, maybe a couple paces. And again, he looked right in my eyes and he said, bye-bye. And that was just so that I knew that, that, that it wasn't a dream or something like that. And, uh, and that's why, that's why I've stayed all these years for sure. Well, that, that was a humdinger. I'm awful glad I asked that question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is, you know, Swamiji, just, just because you brought this up, I came to understand that he, he never, he never thought things through. He didn't need to think things through. He operated beyond the place of thought. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't calculate it. Oh, I may never see it, anything like that. He had absolute trust in what flowed through him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just ex- you, you saw it just exactly. It wasn't actually impersonal in the sense of he knew it was you. But it was just more like this is what this is what needs to be said, and so I'll say it. Right, right. And this is my this is my divine duty to simply share this this thought because divine mother has given it to me. And thank God you took it so well, good man. So I, then you have days six, seven, and eight in the internship <laughs> program, and yeah. at some point it ends. So what did you do when it ended? Did you stay there? Well, did you? My mom came down. I was still, you know, a minor almost. I didn't have a car or anything, so she, she she came down and picked me up, and we uh, uh, that's from the village, and we drove back to Spokane, uh-huh. and I spent the next month getting my driver's license and that's so, getting... just so funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now that I'm a disciple of a great master, invitation from Swami Kriyananda to spend the rest of my life on the path, I'll get a driver's license. Okay. <laughs> it was a it was an adjustment. I mean, coming down to Sacramento from that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I just got my, my ducks in a row, so to mm-hmm. speak. And I came back for another three months uh-huh. doing the karma yoga program. Uh-huh. Um, got to be in the finding happiness movie, which was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the first time I saw you it was at the garden party. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Of course. So I, I got to put on the SRF monk clothing and, uh-huh. uh, and that was a wonderful experience. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then a month after that ended, you know, Bhakti and I had gotten together at that point, and mm-hmm. uh, we followed Zach and Haley up to Seattle. I uh, see. Yeah. Just we felt a real kinship and a, and a bond between them. And uh, so I, uh, I, we moved here about coming on eight years ago uh, uh-huh. to the community. Right. And now you have a little boy. How, is your, how old is your little boy now? Um, he's a two and a half. I love the smile. I love to ask papas about their babies because they get smiles just like that one. <laughs> yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah, I've only seen him in pictures, but he is, I can see he's wonderful. It's a wonderful life. You know, your papa, um, your your father, um, I, I've joked with people who are born at Ananda in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, verse 42, says, if one tries for God realization and doesn't quite make it, Maybe you'll be born into a family of yogis, and yeah. such such births are hard to obtain. It says because yogis don't have that many children. So yeah. um, I've been asked if someone six forty twos are the people who are born at a non village, but it's also people like yourself whose mm-hmm. whose birth parents also turn out to be your spiritual parents. Yeah, a very 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 good karma. Well, I'm going to ask you a question I've asked lots of people, so I have. I, by this point, I, I like to hear the same, different answers. I like to ask the same questions and get such different answers. Sure. Can you think about being a disciple? 
when you think about, I get to be a disciple for the rest of my life? What does that mean to you? Well, that's a great question. Well, it's, you know, it's been humbling um, because when I started, I thought I was, you know, this uh, wonderkind, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and then I came to a community where people have dedicated their lives to it. Mm -hmm. And I saw that I was just dipping my toe into the water. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, being a father and having such a constraint on free time, mm -hmm. I just, I feel grateful. Uh, to be to be a disciple because it's a lifeline uh to you know my goal is to be that way and uh you know so as long as i keep my keep myself in this in this vibration then i know that that i've got a chance you know towards that goal so it's been very humbling for me yeah humility is good <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a good place to be it's a good place to be yeah. Well, Vima, it's been an absolute joy to spend this time with you. And thank you for being so open and sure. just sharing so much from the heart. And yeah. God bless you and your family. Thank Everybody you, Aja. Bless you. Bless you.